Welcome to Gen Z Hoops, the Gen Z basketball coaching and sports business show. On this podcast, you'll learn from professional players, coaches, and executives from all over the world and see the court in a brand new way. And now, joining you courtside, your Gen Z host, John Hartafillis. Hi, Mr. Ford. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you today? Doing awesome. Really excited to have you on and, and to hear about all the experience you've had, obviously, which is not just in basketball, but obviously specifically with, with USA basketball. There's obviously so much in there and so much rich history. So, so many, you know, winning, winning basketball games. Uh, definitely a lot of fun stuff for, for us as fans to, to dive into. And I'm sure listeners really, really appreciate this. Yeah, my pleasure. Oh, John, it's good to talk to you today and uh, should be fun. Awesome. So, I mean, just to kind of get right into it, I mean, I'm kind of curious. I'm sure you don't get asked this question a lot. Probably everyone talks about uh, right, right when they meet you, kind of the USA basketball stuff. But I'm curious about where it all started, being a manager of Villanova in those late 80s. Did you already did you always know you're going to work in basketball? Did that kind of, when you finally got that experience, really make you think you were going to do it? Well, what really happened there? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You know, I, I grew up in, in Western New York. My dad worked at St. Bonaventure University and you know, worked in, in athletics when we were young. So they had a good basketball team back then, you know, in, in the 70s. So it was it was fun. And, and we and my brothers and I grew up around the basketball team. So that kind of really where the passion started for basketball and, you know, wanted, you know, played basketball time, played in high school. And, um, you know, even the, the head coach of Bonaventure lived across the street from us, Jim O'Brien, who went on to coach Boston College and Ohio State. He literally kind of lived across the street from us and we uh, used to babysit his kids. And, you know, those were the four years that I was in high school. So that kind of, you know, was really close to the game. And uh, when I went to college, I decided that I wasn't going to be able to play in college. So I, I wanted to be involved in the team and I thought it would be kind of neat to be a manager because I was friends with a lot of the managers at St. Bonaventure and I liked what they did and, uh, you know, kind of grew from there. That's so cool. And then obviously thinking about just where, where that passion all kind of started from. And I would imagine too, you also probably learned so much, so much being there after that, obviously becoming a, a GA at UMass, I'm sure that's kind of what really kicked things off, right? Going into, cause only, only a few years later, you were at USA basketball and the rest is history. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about maybe that, those, those years prior to USA basketball? It, it really, um, I was, I, I, I wanted to be an athletic director, to be quite honest with you. You know, when I was at Villanova, Coach Mass, former player of his who coached at high school in high school in Massachusetts, ran the sports management program at UMass. And by the time I applied, it was too late to get into the school. So I, I did go down and I was a manager for, or I was an intern for a year at Georgia Tech. And that was fascinating to me. It was eye-opening to move away from, you know, what would be perceived as a small Catholic school in the Northeast playing in the Big East and going down to an ACC school in the heart of the South in Atlanta. You know, they they actually won the national championship in football that year, you know, had, you know, a top 10 you know, golf and baseball and it was, and Kenny Anderson was there. So it was, it was a cool eye-opening experience to be quite honest with you. And then, you know, having the opportunity to go to, you know, UMass sports management to get my master's and, and be a, a graduate assistant for, for John Calipari for a year. That was his first NCAA tournament team. Very first one. Uh, we ended up 30 and five and it was a really, really good team. It was before Marcus Canby was even there. So it was, it was, that was fun to be part of. 
you know, I went to the University of Cincinnati because part of completing your master's degree is to finish with a, an internship. So I went to the University of Cincinnati and I worked. The internship was a unique internship because it was split between marketing and compliance. So it was a real educational opportunity for me to learn an awful lot about a lot of things. You know, I ended up being there. So it was it's interesting. It was my fourth different school year, uh, four different conferences in four different parts of the country. So, you know, I learned an awful lot, but I still struggled, you know, to get a job. I used to, Cincinnati, you know, it's before the internet, before all that. I remember at Cincinnati, it was like a big day when we got voicemail on our phones. I mean, that's how long ago it was. I used to just every week wait for the NCA news to be delivered because they had a classified section and I could apply for jobs. And I still didn't get a job. So I, I ended up working basketball camps all summer. This was the summer of summer of 93. And then it was the first time I volunteered for USA basketball. And so I worked for USA basketball at the World University Games in Buffalo. Then Cincinnati asked me to come back as a, a, a super intern uh, because I didn't have a job. So I, I went back and, and did that. And they hosted a lot of conference tournaments that year. So I was involved in that. And then at the end of that year, they the director of marketing had left and they they gave me a, a one-year deal, a personal service contract for a year. But uh, again, in, in the summer of 94, I volunteered for USA Basketball again. And that was a lot of fun. You know, a job came open in, in February of 95. And, and that's why I, I took it. It's interesting because looking back on it now, I was two months shy of my um, 27th birthday. It was my first full-time job I ever had. And so the only full-time place I've ever worked in my life is USA Basketball, which is kind of interesting. Definitely. That was super interesting. And thank you for sharing just all those steps that kind of led up to that, because obviously it's happened to think about what that process looked like for you. I'm curious, right? So you, you start right there. The following year, the Olympics were actually held here in the States. What, what did that look like for you, right? You just have been there for about a year. What, what are you getting ready for it looked like? You know, it was really cool. It was uh, it was exciting. You know, what, what was interesting, it kind of came full circle in a way because, you know, I moved to Atlanta Labor Day weekend of 1990. Two weeks later is when Atlanta won the bid to host the Olympics. So I was in Atlanta when they found out they were going to host the Olympics. You know, so there was, there was great excitement and Georgia Tech was involved in the bid and Georgia Tech, the campus was going to be part of the Olympic Village. And so there was a, it was a real excitement when I was there and then to be six years later to come back, you know, at the time, the dream team and, and you know, be there, that, that was pretty cool. One thing I would say to you about all those things what leading up to USA Basketball what I was really fortunate with is that all the people that I worked for and, and was involved with were really special people. And I didn't realize how special they were at the time. The manager, like when I was a manager, the, we worked for assistant coaches at Villanova. And the assistant coach that I worked for was Jay Wright. He was an assistant there. So we go back that far. And uh, the person at Georgia Tech that I worked for was the associate AD. It was Bernadette McGlade, who's now the commissioner of the Atlantic 10 and is on the men's basketball committee for the NCA, you know, and then of course, going to work with John Calipari at, at UMass. And then, you know, the person at Cincinnati that I worked with is now the senior associate AD at the University of North Carolina. And then the person who hired me at USA Basketball is now the managing director of uh, Joanne Scott, who's the managing director of the, the NCAA basketball tournament. So it's, I've been very fortunate to, as I've gone on in my career, all the people that I've been associated with have gone on incredibly success, successful careers. So, you know, you just never know. 
That's so true. And you never know until it happens. And obviously, whether it's uh, just thinking about the kind of basketball you were around is incredible, but also just obviously Jay Wright's a great assistant coach to be paired with back then, uh, considering obviously where he is now and all those guys. Uh, that was really cool thinking about how it all comes full circle. After that, that 96 Olympics, you, you got promoted to director of basketball. I'm curious, uh, what, what did that kind of change in role look like for you going from that 96 Olympics to the, the ones that followed? You know, it's it's like, you know, moving from an assistant to a head coach, you know, all of a sudden I, I replaced the person that I worked for, you know, more responsibility, which was great, you know, more planning, higher level of execution is required. And but then also you get into management. So now all of a sudden I was needed to hire someone to replace me. And uh, that was the first time I, I ever got to hire someone. So, you know, that was kind of interesting. And, you know, to have take on the responsibility of helping to develop someone and having them compliment you and help you. It was great. You know, it's, I was ready for it. And it wasn't just, you know, the year and a half that I had worked at U.S. basketball that prepared me for it. It was just, you know, I didn't know what I was doing at times there were four times that I packed everything that I owned in my car and drove to Atlanta. And then I did the same thing to UMass. I did the same thing to Cincinnati. You, know, you wonder why you're, you're doing all that. You know, the term wasn't around then, but you know, I was grinding, right? But all of those things prepared me. I mean, the, the, the grind can prepare for anything. And for right after those 2000 Olympics uh, as national team director, I'm curious maybe what that does, because everyone always watches USA basketball. They, they obviously know all the players, and but they really don't kind of understand what goes behind the scenes to not just make the, the national team, but also there's the U18 team, there's all those other teams. You can kind of shed some light on, on what the entire programs are all about. Well, you know, it's, it's really evolved over time. USA basketball is a great organization and it stands for excellence. And if anyone who's there, me included, we're just there as placeholders for the people, you know, trying to continue on the tradition that came before. And there'll be people after us that will do the same. So, you know, that's kind of the idea. But we, we've evolved because we, we have to follow, you know, things that maybe we don't control, like what's the schedule for you know, the international basketball, what are they doing? What is, how does college schedule and NBA schedule? How does all that work? And so we, our job is to just field the best teams possible and, and to go out and compete. But over time, it's evolved tremendously. I, I, I think of, you know, there's kind of three things that have really affected USA basketball over the year from a competitive side. In 1989, the decision was made and the first time professional you know, the, the true defined professional athletes played in the Olympics in 92. And that was a benchmark time for USA basketball, it really changed us as an organization. And then I, I think the next thing that changed us as an organization, there were always junior tournaments and there were always teams that were in college. But, you know, as it evolved in 2009, they accelerated the junior program internationally and they, they started having 16 and, and then 17 and under competitions. And then they had two junior competitions every year rather than just one. So they doubled the number of junior junior tournaments. So every year we're, we're qualifying at a zone at either 16 or 18, and we're playing a World Cup competition at 17 or 19. And that shift down to a younger age group really helped USA basketball go to another level because now all of a sudden we were dealing with high school players and that the international pipeline was matching our pipeline in the United States, where 
the the most elite players at 19 years old are in the NBA. And oftentimes they're not even available for the 19 and under U19 World Championship because they're they're getting drafted at the same time. And so it, it allowed us to now start working with freshmen and sophomores in high school and developing those relationships at a very, very young age. You know, hopefully we're helping them and, and they're helping us. That's the goal there. And if we do our jobs correctly, if we can select the bright players and then help develop those players. And those are the players that will end up being on the Olympic team six, eight, 10 years later. You know, for the most part, it's, it's, it's worked out pretty well. You know, it really kind of took us to another level. We had more teams and we had younger teams and we were dealing with parents and families and it was great. It still is. It's awesome. And then a couple of years ago, 2017, they changed the format to qualify for the world cup rather than just the results of the Olympics qualified you for the World Cup or a single tournament the year prior to the World Cup. And same with the Olympic Games. It used to be if you win the World Cup, you qualify for the Olympics. And if not, there was a single tournament. So now they've shifted more to a soccer model where in your zone, you play several windows. And um, in reality, for us to qualify for the 2023 World Cup, we have to field 10 different teams over a three-year period, three, three-and-a-half-year period. So we're, we're significantly different than we were in 2001, but the way we look at it is we have three levels of teams, uh, kind of like a high school team. You have your freshman, JV, and varsity. We have our, our junior national team, which is 16, 17, 18, 19 in the Hoop Summit. We have our World Cup qualifying teams, which is predominantly G League players, but they're all professional, uh, non-MBA professionals is what we refer to them. They could be free agents. They could be overseas, you know, could be in the G League. And then we have, you know, the, the senior team or varsity team that plays in the World Cup and the Olympics, which are the elite and best available NBA players. So that's that's kind of how we, we, we look at it now. It's come a long ways. And, you know, someone who's doing this job and 10 or 15 years, you know, they'll, they'll probably have other things that it might look different in 10 to 15 years. Of course. And that's the evolution is definitely so important. That's what, that's what makes it also impressive. And obviously what makes you say basketball, get that kind of gold standard. I've heard you talk a lot, a little bit before about guys, in other, in other interviews about guys like Tyus Jones, maybe who've, who've won U16, 17, 18 gold medals, three gold medals before going to Duke, which is why there, there's a lot of guys that can you kind of talk a little about, about those programs and to make, kind of maybe shed some light to our listeners on, on as to what those look like. It's great. And, and we've had some great staff members who have really done awesome work at identifying these young players. I mean, think about it. We're, we're finding 15, 16 year olds, you know, Tyus Jones, the first training camp he came to was in October of his freshman year in college. Now he had played varsity as an eighth grader. So he was coming in, but still he, he played three, you know, national teams before he went to Duke. And what's interesting is, is he could have played on four. Fortunately, his grandma, grandmother was, was ill and he was unable to be part of our U19 or he would have played for four. And, and if you throw in the hoop summit, it's five. So, but what's, what's interesting is, um, you know, before his freshman year at Duke, he played five years of high school, played on four USA basketball teams and won three gold medals all before. So, you know, you talk about someone like it was no surprise of what he did at Duke for people who had followed his high school career. 
but there, there's, you know, Jason Tatum, you know, it's so great to see him play so well, but you no know, same thing. He, he came to camp, uh, our October minicamp before he even played a high school basketball game. He had the look of a player that, you know, if he continues to develop his body and develop his game, he could be, you know, special. And, and that's exactly what happened. He, he, he did win. He was part of our uh, 13 U16 team, 14 U17 team, 15 U19 team. And then he played in the Hoop Summit and, you know, goes to Duke, goes to the Celtics and, you know, he's, he's, he's doing great. So those are special people for us, you know, happy for them. It's incredible, right? Thinking about about that kind of development, and and that's such a big part of USA basketball. I'm curious then as well that maybe some of like the the in game stuff that that's super super important. Um, in terms of maybe some of the the, the game strategy, and I've heard you talk about it in the past about guys like D Wade coming off the bench, or guys like Aaron Gordon winning MVP coming off the bench, and how that's a big part of the way USA basketball plays. We're always in need of reinventing ourselves. And, you know, we're, we learn a lot from coaches and, and there's a lot of different coaches that coach for USA basketball. And, you know, I think it was Jeff Van Gundy who kind of said like, we win a lot, but there's a lot lessons to be learned when you win, but it's hard to find them. It's very easy to find the lessons when you lose. Although we're successful, we have to continue to find ways to get better. And and one of the things that we've found is athleticism is and length is really important. And playing at a certain pace is really important. Having opportunities, if we're going to have a deep bench and we get into the second unit, they're going to get starter minutes. But not many teams have their you know, if you're going to play a 40 minute game, not many people, the top minute person is, you know, 25, 24, 25 minutes a game. You're going to have, you know, we typically have to nine people that are playing 15 minutes a game. So it's, it's you know, that pace and the way we can play is, you know, we're, we're, we're lucky. But a lot of players, they're willing to sacrifice. There's a lot of talented people on the team and everyone's committed to winning. And, and just in doing their part. That that really, I think, helps the effort. I mean, that's exactly what happened. I mean, Dwayne Wade, he came off the bench in 08. Kobe and LeBron and, and Carmelo and Jason Kidd and Dwight Howard started. Dwayne came off the bench. Chris Bosh came off the bench. And then next thing you know, it's, you know, Chris Paul and Darren Williams and Tayshaun Prince. And that's our second rotation, which is could be starters as well. But you know, Dwayne coming off the bench, there was there was a great opportunity for him there. And he ended up becoming our leading scorer off the bench. And but he, you know, he played probably starter minutes. I'm not sure that he he was probably in top five in minutes played. You know, Carmelo did the same thing in 16. Aaron uh, Gordon in 2015 at the, the U or 2013 at the U19, you know, came off the bench, but he was he was terrific and and we pressed and he was the head he was like the the head of the press and he was awesome did great things there and so you know Colin Sexton who's having a great season with the Cavs he came off the bench for the U17 team in Spain I think in probably 14 or 16 you know one MVP so it's it's it happens quite a bit actually with us it's it's kind of interesting Love hearing about that, and it's obviously incredible thinking about just how, how deep that goes and how obviously – and not just how talented these teams are, but how they're able to all play together and guys are able to accept their roles, take sure. time and say and say, this is how I can help USA basketball win. That's how I'm going to do it. That's how I'm going to play for my country. Um, so definitely just all in all, whether it's your whether it's your career, just the basketball you've seen, it, it was obviously a pleasure hearing from you, Mr. Ford, and, and, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, good luck with everything and uh, love all the jerseys in the back. That uh, looks pretty cool. Thanks for listening to Gen Z Hoops. 
Make sure to follow, like, and subscribe on Instagram, LinkedIn, and all major social media platforms at Gen Z Hoops. You can tune in and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and every other podcast platform on the planet. Get ready for the next episode.